Welcome to the Renew Theology Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Bethany. We're two millennial women who enjoy discussing God's Word and how it applies to our lives. We believe in seeking to be rooted and established in the Word and allowing its truth to penetrate every area of our lives. Welcome to this episode of the Renew Theology Podcast. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen um, to our conversation. So over the past three episodes, Emily and I have been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament Law of Moses, um, and even just in our personal devotions, just a lot of time in the Old Testament. Um, and God has been teaching us some pretty cool things, um, and we'd love to share some of that with you. It just so happens that both of them are in the Pentateuch. So what I've been learning comes from Exodus, and what Emily's been learning comes from Numbers. Um, and we just wanted to walk through a little bit of what God's been teaching us and share that with you. So we're calling this Life Lessons from the Old Testament, Personal Reflections by Emily and Bethany. That's a very official title. I feel like it is. I feel like it should be in a book. I like it. So we're going to go through what Emily's been learning first. Yeah. So my Bible reading lately has been, as Bethany mentioned, in Numbers. And the first thing I want to talk about today comes from Numbers chapter 11, which is the chapter where Israel complains about the manna that they have been eating constantly. Numbers chapter 11 verses 4 to 6 says this, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. This is the first in a series of events. So Israel cries out for something to eat. God punishes them. Miriam and Aaron oppose Moses. God punishes them. Israel refuses to go into the promised land and God punishes them. Yeah, so I'm not going to be talking about the Miriam and Aaron story today, um, but we will talk about Israel's refusal to go into the promised land. But for now, we're just going to be talking about the whole manna event. One of the first things to notice in this story is that there was a rabble among them and they had a strong craving. So the rabble, um, another word for rabble is like a small mob or a group of people who are upset about something. So this rabble had a strong craving. That's how the story starts. So originally it was not the whole nation of Israel that was upset, but there was a rabble and they instigated complaints among the rest of the people. So there was this original group of people And then that spread throughout the whole nation. So in the next few verses, verses 7 to 9, we read this. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of delium. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in handmills or beat it with mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. The thing I want you to notice here is that it tasted like cakes baked with oil. This is significant to me because, you know, if you're 600,000 people wandering through the desert, you probably don't have things like oil, right? Oil was um, very common, of course, in that day, but it, it definitely was something that was more expensive. It was a high quality item. What this tells me is that they weren't using oil to make these cakes, but the cakes tasted like they had been made with oil. So manna tasted good. It it was a good quality food. 
God didn't have to make it taste good. It just had to keep them alive, but he did. He wanted them to enjoy it. They also didn't have to work really hard to get it. Like it fell on the ground all over the place. They just had to, you know, pick up a handful outside their door, really. It was definitely a blessing to them. Here's what I sort of concluded from this story. The rabble craved because they stopped seeing God's provision as a blessing. And when we stop seeing God's provision as a blessing, we stop being satisfied with what he's been given us. And we start wanting something more than what he has already blessed us with. And so the people stopped seeing this manna as a blessing and started seeing it as a curse. And then that caused them to have a craving and that craving for something more turned into complaints against God and ultimately rebellion. And if you continue reading on in this story, you will see that God said, all right, they want meat. I'm going to give them so much meat. It's going to come out of their nostrils. But then when they started eating the meat that God had given them, he struck dead the rabble, the original group of people who had a craving before they even got to swallow the meat. They didn't even get to enjoy it because they were the ones who had stirred up complaints against God and who had taken for granted his blessing to them. So yeah, ultimately my takeaway from this was that we need to guard against craving and the way that we do that is by seeing God's blessings as blessings. Do you have any thoughts on that, Bethany? Yeah, it oftentimes like we take modern culture and because we live in it, it's easy to think like it. And so a lot of times you get this idea that God is like out for you or he's like watching you waiting till you mess up. Um, and the, it feels like Israel had this mindset and then they're angry about it. They're like, oh God, come on. You're not even helping us right here. Like, what are you doing? We used to have a lot of good food. And he's like, I'm giving you donuts to eat. Like, don't you see what this, what this is? And like, we, we choose to not intentionally notice how God is being good. And I think like even now, if you live in North America, you're in like the top 1% of the world. If you have a roof over your head, if you have food in your fridge, if you have money in your wallet, if you have a car, like I'm not saying these material blessings show God's favor, but God's goodness is manifested in lots of different ways. Like, do you have a job? Are you able to work? Do you, do you have physical health? And even if you don't, God's blessing you in that. Do you have good friends? Is the weather nice? Like simple things like that. I, I have a gratitude journal I write in. Um, not every day because, you know, stuff. Um, but like oftentimes I'm just so grateful for the weather. And like God sends rain on and sun on both the just and the unjust. It, it's him. Like he doesn't have to have sunrises be pretty. He doesn't have to have flowers be colorful. And so often... Like, I have to just stop and realize, like, God has laid out this entire universe, this world, this earth for us. And, like, we try to reduce it to numbers, and that's fine, but don't ignore the fact that he made it, and it's beautiful, and we get to live in it. Like, that's incredible. I I mean, I have a really hard time looking at watching nature videos or, like, seeing really beautiful sunrises or whatever, and not and seeing and seeing how people cannot believe in a god, um, and that's a whole other conversation which we probably won't have. But 
I just, I see God's hand so clearly in that. And that's just a basic, it's called, um, what is it? General, it's like a general revelation. Like God does that for everybody. He doesn't have to have so that food tastes good. He doesn't have to have it so that like smells are good. He doesn't have to have the world in color. And he, he did that because he loves us. Um, and so I think taking, being intentional about looking for his blessings and actively thanking him for them and actively praising him for them and then actively enjoying them, no matter how small they are. The fact that it's their sunshine in one day, that, that might be all you can find, but find it and thank him for it. Um, and then let that build your faith. Let God's evidence of his goodness build your faith in his goodness. And then when times seem to show that he's not there, remind yourself intentionally that he is. And all the times he has been good and faithful in the small things and in the big things. It's not easy, but I think cultivating that makes it more of a habit. Like it'll be hard for a little while, but once it's part of your life, um, I think it'd, it'd be really good for for your faith. And I'm, I'm speaking to myself here just as much as anybody else because um, I want to be better about just recognizing that God is good and he blesses us in multiple ways. That's a great segue into the second passage that I wanted to talk about tonight. Unintentional, but okay. So this next passage is found in the second half of Numbers chapter 13. And this is when the group of men from Israel are sent to spy out Canaan, which is the promised land. So I'm going to read a number of verses here. It's a little bit longer, but it's, uh, it's helpful to have that, to have that context. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. This is a classic example of fear, as we all know. We've probably all heard this story and, you know, it's a great object lesson for being like, see, if God tells you he's going to be with you and you refuse, you'll be stalled in your life for 40 years. Yeah. Discipline. However, something I noticed when I read this was that there are three sort of speeches that happen here. The first one 
is the actual report. All the spies come back and they say, we came to the land. It does flow with milk and honey. It has great fruit. The people in the land are strong. It basically just lays all the facts out there. No one's saying yes or no at this point. It's just here's here's what's going on and this is what it's like. And then the second little speech is from Caleb and he quiets the people down and he says, so let's go and occupy it. We can easily overcome it. Very simple to the point, but he's being very courageous about this. But then the men who had gone up with him give a negative report. They take the information that they have been given, that they have seen, and they said, we can't go up against these people. They're stronger than us. And then they they bring a bad report to the people of Israel. They actually put a negative spin on everything that has been found out about this land. And they say, this land devours its inhabitants, um, and there's giants there. And we seemed like grasshoppers. That really just struck me as interesting that there's these three sort of things that happen. They get the straight facts, then there's a positive response, and then there's a negative response. The people of Israel were not tricked into not trusting God. They knew exactly what they were getting into, and everything was as God told them it would be, and they actually choose to believe the worst. They have all the information, but they choose to not trust God. It is a conscious choice on their part. And I really think that they lost perspective because they stopped seeing the goodness of God. They forgot who God was. Yes, the people there were bigger than them. Absolutely. There was abundance in the land, but they were going to have to fight for that abundance. So although they were going to have to work for this land, God was still going to see that they got it. And because they forgot the fact that God is good, they didn't take him up on his promise. They didn't believe he was going to fulfill what he said he was. When we forget that God is good, we forget that he wants good things for us. And we assume he doesn't care about us. And then because of that, we don't stay faithful to him, even though he has been faithful to us. Um, and I think it's it's really easy to live from a perspective of scarcity. This was a big theme in the church I went to um, when I was in Virginia. And it, it really was good because a lot of the time we think, I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough downtime. I didn't get enough work done. I didn't get a nap. I didn't have enough food today. I don't have enough time. And it's it's living from this place of not having enough. But you need changing that perspective to not only is God good, but God is enough. Like in your weakness, like 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. The point is the power of Christ. Like he's there. God has given us his spirit. He's, he's put his himself in us. Um, and living from a place of scarcity or denying the fact that Jesus is enough. We can do that very easily just by the words that we use and the way that we live and the posture from which we live. Um, and then even um, Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And then there's Second Peter chap- chapter 1 verse 3. 
His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Like God has called us from his own glory and goodness and he's given us that. God is good. It's it, we need and it, it's hard in our culture cuz it's like I'm so tired. I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. It, and we use those excuses and those reasons for multiple different things, but living from the perspective that God is enough that God is good and he has given me what I need to get the job done. Now, sometimes you need to shift what you think the job you need to get done is. Um, like maybe God's agenda for you in a certain day is less than what your agenda is. And he's going to give you what you need to get done what he has for you to do. Tr- just trusting him in that and moving forward is a mark of maturity in the life of a believer. And again, preaching to myself just as much as anybody else. Um, But I think it's important to change our language. Changing the way you talk about something helps to change your thoughts. And just remembering that God is enough and he is good. God has given us things that may look really hard, but he's also given us the things that we need. He's equipped us Mm -hmm. to deal with those challenges. Yeah, I think for myself too, it's sometimes we just have this attitude of everything should be handed to us Mm. and not that we work for God's blessings or anything like that. But sometimes God's blessings mean that we have to work. Like maybe instead of just, you know, giving us money from the sky, he's going to give us a job. I think sometimes God, God blesses us through opportunities rather than free stuff. You know, I think sometimes we have a very narrow view of what a blessing is and we, it, it's something that has to be free. easy and free. But a lot of the time, God blesses us just by giving us a means to do what he's asked us to do. Yeah, and it's like the blessing of a friendship, a good friendship, doesn't just come out of nowhere. It does take mm-hmm. hard work. Yep. Um, the blessing of a marriage. Like, you don't get a good marriage just by living. You have to be intentional about it in multiple different ways. But God blesses us. He allows us to have good marriages by giving us things like his word. Like there is instruction in his word about how to have a good marriage. He gives us mentors who are going to help us to grow and become godly wives and husbands. And he gives us, you know, the church body to encourage and support us. Like he gives us the tools we need. We still have to use the tools but he, he provides us with what we need. And, and in doing that, we, we actually grow and we become more like Christ. So that's about all we have to say on that matter. And next week, we are going to be talking about Um, something Bethany has been learning, and that is going to be found in Exodus 34. Um, So next week, we're going to be chatting a little bit about that. But for now, we're going to go into our question of the week. All right, Bethany, here is our question of the week. If you could uninvent one thing, what would it be? Oh, I got to think about that one. Um, Yeah, me too. Have something not exist anymore. All right, so my answer after some thought is Xboxes. All right, explain. And like, and like game station console things. Like I love Mario Kart just as much as the next person. But sometimes it can get a little extreme. And no, I'm not a gamer. Like I don't I don't 
do that. But I feel like that has really affected a lot of today's youth. Um, and it is probably more, more often used for harm and causes harm than is used and causes good and growth and maturing in people. Um, I think entertainment has completely taken over our social life. And no longer is it about face-to-face communication. It's about other things. And I I don't know. In, in my life, I've got people in my life that are totally gamers. And hey, if it has a place in your life and it's it's in its own place and it doesn't take over your life and you have good, healthy social relationships outside of that, cool. You know what? Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah, there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place for that. Hey, that's fine. I read books all the time. Like I watch TV. I listen to podcasts. Like I do all those things that might not be totally beneficial in other ways, but they have a place in my life. I was reading this article the other day about this house called a gaming house in Montreal, I think it was. Oh, I've heard of these. And it's literally a house and there's like a team of like 10 gamers and they actually practice like nine hours a day playing video games. Yeah. All day, every day, six days a week. And they get paid for it. And they get paid and they like play other pro teams. I didn't realize there was like pro gaming teams and I was just like... My brain would be mush every single day if I was playing a video game for nine hours every yeah. day. It's. I mean, I yeah. guess people look at computer screens for eight hours a day. That's true. But I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm. I'm sure there are people who would say like, "Oh yeah, that's that's legit." I mean, they're getting paid for it and everything. And and it was like people like came from Canada like on visas, like they were international people and they got like paid to come to Canada and stay in this house for a year and like play a season or whatever of this game I don't know what game it was I have a cousin who is actually in school for facilitating tournaments for online gaming it's called esports that's crazy yeah it's it's actually really cool like he's learning how to put all these tournaments together and all of the fundraising and like all of the organization and like all the different logistics of having all these people in one place to play these games and like have it be a competition like a tournament it's like it's neat this the social aspect of it when you actually get people in a room like that's really cool huh um interesting yeah yeah cool i guess kind of along the same vein something this is not something i've thought deeply about at all so maybe i will regret my answer in you know a couple of days but i definitely think the internet is something that like <laughs> Bethany's, wow. Bethany's looking at me weird. She's like, "Do you realize our podcast is run on the internet?" <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I just think there's so much garbage on the internet, and just yeah. I mean, I could get into like details, but there is so much junk on the internet. And I mean, but the internet has been used for a lot of good things. I just feel like you know, life probably wasn't that bad in the '50s without internet. I don't know. I feel like, but I'm I'm kind of um the the old way of living pre-internet sort of appeals to me yeah I guess just that's just my personality but but yeah I just remember like being a kid I'm old enough to remember dial up and I don't know I just remember like my brothers being like Emily get off Farmville I have to (laughs) I have to call my friend on the phone right or like if you picked up the phone and somebody was using the internet it was like yeah yeah it was that dial tone or whatever and I don't know like that my life was not emptier back then because I didn't have internet and social media is one of those things I have a love-hate relationship with too where I don't know I've, I've had to realize that although I enjoy being able to be connected to different people I 
made a decision in my life about a year ago that I was going to not charge my phone in my bedroom because I would wake up and the first thing I would do is look at, um, you know, 30 other people's lives. And that actually just was a really awful start to my day. And it was overwhelming and it made me feel stressed out and anxious about problems that are not my own. You know, people are sharing about stuff they're going through or whatever, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that sharing. But when that's the first thing I see when I wake up, that was really, um, it actually had a negative effect on me. Um, and these are situations I have no control over. I can't do anything about it, right? And that's the first thing I'm seeing. So that was actually something that was really helpful to me. I think that the internet is good as long as it has a healthy place in your life, right? And I think that that's nothing new. But yeah, I feel like if the internet was never invented, I don't think I would really miss it. I'm also an avid reader. I like reading. So um, I don't mind doing research by like reading books and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And as a kid, I used to like write letters to my best friend and she never wrote back because she hated doing it. But I wrote back. Yes, you did. Yeah. Most. Yeah. We exchanged letters at church. Right. We still have them. I On that, it, it's interesting because I did the same thing with my phone um, right about Christmas. I took off Facebook and Pinterest, which were the two like social time wasters that I had on my phone. Um, since then, I'd put Instagram and Twitter on and taken them off again within a week hmm. of putting them on. Because um, I find my found myself less of the comparison game, more I would just mindlessly scroll hmm. and scroll and scroll because it never ends. Yeah. Um, like I would be up late, like an hour and a half past the time I actually turn the light out, just like not even thinking like my thumbs just going and I'm watching things but you're not really taking them in and like with Pinterest dude you can go so far into that yeah um, and just pin everything and do you know how much stuff I've done off my pin board like for real like zero well not quite zero because okay. I cook a lot but and that's mostly food um but like most of the stuff I have on there I haven't done anything about so I chose Christmas I just did it my mom had made a comment about thinking about doing it and I'm like something went a light bulb went off and I'm like that's what I need to do. So I, I took them off. Well, that's it for this week. And if you want to contact us, you can do so by heading over to our Facebook page, Renew Theology Podcast, or by finding our Instagram account, Renew Theology. Or you can email us at renewtheology at gmail.com. And if you have a minute and you've enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you would rate us on iTunes. You can just leave us a star rating or you can actually write us out a review. Either way, we really appreciate it. We really enjoy seeing um, our different reviews and it's just such an encouragement to us to see um, how this podcast has benefited you. Share it with your friends if you enjoy it and we will chat with you next week. Bye.